Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. And there is certainly never a dull moment in a rugby league. Eye gouges, knockouts, upsets, rises and falls. We've got resistance. There's some absolute nuts in the crowd throwing water bottles. We've got a wrong call, legal challenges. We've got a coach blowing out his calf, and now we've got a controversy that's political, um, you know, dividing people, all sorts. It's only in rugby league this much could happen over one weekend. <laughs> Yeah, a lot has happened, mate, since the last time we spoke. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of things on people's minds, and uh, in particular, two that have been red hot over the weekend. So we'll jump straight in and address those. Brought to you by bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with anyone, back the bookie that backs us, bluebet.com.au. They support our charity account. Obviously, no winner this week, unfortunately. Hopefully, we'll get back on the bandwagon. I went after Munster. Um, and Melbourne disappointingly lost again. So no luck there, but download that app today or visit the website. Thank you again to Bluebet. But first one we'll start with, Brock, out of those two big talking points, is the wrong call in the Tigers game uh, against the Cowboys there at the end. And I, I guess this one just really, really rubs salt into the wounds. If you're a Tigers fan, it's been such a poor year and I know it doesn't affect anything with finals, and some people I heard today go, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect them anyway. It's like, well, no one wants to be last. No one wants to be the wooden spooner. And when you've gone up to a place like North Queensland, difficult road trip, James Tarmhouse 300th, and played a pretty good game of football, to lose the way they did uh, was brutal. Well, they shouldn't have lost. Exactly. It was the wrong call. So <coughs> I think it's as, it's as simple as that. It was the wrong call. It was the wrong management of that situation the referee well firstly time expired this whole soft whistle bullshit like that doesn't exist I've never heard of a soft whistle in my life secondly they should have been able to challenge what was unchallengeable there was no there was no discretion that was blown I'm not even sure how they were able to use their challenge in that situation and then thirdly, how, how the bunker comes up with that call, I, I've got no idea. I, I think there was certainly movement uh, from the Tigers player in the direction that Kyle felt. I, I couldn't cop that. But when you show the reverse angle, the, the angle from behind, yeah, he's looking at you the can ball. see that the Tigers player was constantly looking at the ball and felt actually initiated the contact, he came off his left foot and bumped into him and then dived. Like it was it's ridiculous that 
Ashley Klein came up with that decision. I'm, I'm not going to bang on too much about Ashley Klein. I've got my thoughts around that. I, I, and I made them quite clear during the Origin Series, but that, that's my take on the situation. I think it was the wrong call. I thought the Tigers were absolutely robbed, and that, that's my assessment of it. Yeah, I tell the sad part, I actually said this uh, to somebody today because I'd only just seen it. During those moments when you watch something live or we see something in a footy game, we've always had that sort of thing where people talk about it and we talk about it that, you know, the old sporting gods or sporting karma always comes back. So when he was taking the penalty goal, I thought Holmes is a very good kicker, that if sporting karma is a real thing, he'll just shiv this or it'll hit the post or something, but he absolutely knocked it down the middle. So, um, yeah, there's obviously been a lot more. and we, we, You know, everyone's probably heard it to death today, but pretty much agree with everything you've just said. The thing that's crazy on the back of it is obviously one of the board members, Lee Hadjapentelis, works for Brydon's, I'm pretty sure, as a part owner or partner in the law firm, knows things back to front, wants the NRL to, you know, give some audio between the bunker and the referees. The bunker's not supposed to give tips or intervene, I guess, in that situation. Exactly like you said again, clarification around the soft whistle, clarification around being able to challenge, um, you know, what the official game logs were because the TV clock's not the same. They're after a lot of things here and think that if they can, they can go to the Supreme Court and get this turned around in 28 days. So it'd be absolutely crazy to think if they, they can follow through or can get, you know, this far down the line to challenge this decision. But, um, yeah, I just, it's just, I guess, a disappointing yeah, one. It also shows, what, like, and I talk about this a lot as well. You want to add rules, you want to add interpretations, and for every rule that we add in, in a situation like this, we want to add another rule. How about we start taking some rules away? Take some rules away. Make the referee's job easier. That's what we need to do. Not add more rules and more interpretations. Make their job easier because their job is not easy. Okay? And every now and then we get a decision like this, which is ridiculous, the wrong call. And the referees deserve criticism. Not have an easy job. Their job is getting harder. And with the more rules and the more interpretations and you know, everything else we lump on referees, they their job is getting harder each year. And my, I heard some comments from Phil Good on um, on Channel Nine last night. I couldn't agree with him more that the game is beholden to referees and their interpretations and their management of games. It's, it's, it is ridiculous how much control and influence referees have on games. It, it's got to stop because we, we are slowly turning into rugby union. And you look at where that game is now and where it was and where it's, where it's got to through over-officiating and over-interpretation and the addition of rules upon rules upon rules. It's, all, it's near unwatchable and I, I don't know about you but I, I tend to think that like our games, I don't know whether our games are, the intensity is certainly high within the game but like it, it feels like games like they're, they're longer, I know they're more, they might be more intense and while the ball's in play they're in, more intense but there's so many stoppages and challenges and yeah, I'm not sure whether we're actually achieving what the 6M was brought in to achieve and what seven tackle sets were brought in to achieve. And I, I, I just, they're, they're the two that I just get rid of right now. Get rid of seven tackle sets and get rid of the 6 again rule straight away. 
Yeah, I'm not going to argue that the seven tackle sets I've banged on like you have for a long. We're going down yeah, a different road, but no, and I, I agree with you on that one in particular. Sidetrack, but yeah, it's horrible. But um, horrible decision, horrible result for the Tigers. As a Cowboys fan, you would have even walked away from that going, Jesus, we didn't deserve to win that one. And I'm sure a lot of the Cowboys fans listening would happily admit that. It was a wrong call. Like, just a rugby, rugby league fans, forget about who you support. I think everyone in rugby league could identify that was just ridiculous. That how that all all played out. Mm. And I think I've seen a little bit of Reddit the other way too. People saying, "Well, you know, they had the seven tackle set before it existed and lost that semi final." So rugby league swings and roundabouts. It all evens yeah. out over time That's and in dumb, the end. But dumb commentary. Yeah, in, in the moment, I'm like, that doesn't make anything better by bringing up references to different get moments. Get it right. Get the call right. It's yeah. controllable. It's and that's right all the time. this is the frustrating part that we're talking about. Not only is it controllable, but he literally have someone in a bunker who stopped everything, was able to look at it, and somehow come up with that decision. That's the crazier part. Why um, couldn't James Tarmow challenge a shit call? Well, what are you challenging? Oh, I'm challenging a shit call. You want to make it even horrible call? You want to make it even worse? I only said this just before uh, on my way home when I got in. Uh, they showed the kickoff, and technically the kickoff by Valentine Holmes was illegal as well because he come in front of the line to be able to create the angle he did, and his plant foot was in front of the ball when he kicked it. You not you have to kick behind. Yeah, him. so he was on the he was on the West Tiger side of halfway, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. I said that to a mate today. He didn't understand what I was saying. So like, okay. It's much like the rule of being dead in play, obviously, off a play the ball that you're not involved in that play. He's, yeah, you're actually in an offside position. He's offside position for his own kickoff or an illegal kickoff. Correct. So your foot technically should be on the line or behind the line. Yes. When so he kicked, when he went in front, it wouldn't have been an issue if he got his foot at least back on the line, but he didn't get his plant foot. Old, like I'm an old goal kicker, an old kickoff merchant. It, yeah, it, that was pretty well known mm. if you're a kicker. So it's again, they're just taking the piss. The, the non obvious is what we miss. Like, it's things like that. Like, well, you, you think the bunker penalty put, and away we go, game over. If the bunker's you know doing the job that we're saying again and looking at every little detail, they're not, they've missed that one not. completely. So it's just another frustration for Tigers fans. But again, tell anyone whose team's come out last with the opportunity to move off the bottom of the ladder that it's not important to them. No one wants yeah. to finish last. My team's coming last, and we don't even look like winning a game. So, Tigers fans, don't stress too much, because I'm sure you'll pass this eventually. Yeah, like you said, nobody wants to and finish. really, they should have won that game where the ball came off the post. That's some horrible luck this year, the Tigers. Well, That's two games, really, that they've lost on the final play, which, if you played those games 99 times out of 100, they would have won both. That was against you guys, wasn't it? Yeah, it was against us. That's what I'm saying. What was, it, what was the other game that you... There's no way the Titans should have won that game. What was the other game, man, you watched in the wet? It was Magic Round, wasn't it? Where you guys stole one off the Dragons as well late. Yeah, I don't know. I can't really remember it, but it feels like there's been two that were very, very late that the Titans were able to jag. I <laughs> we beat the Dragons quite comfortably. I don't know. I can't remember our last win, so... Mm. Oh, we'll move on from this one, but again, uh, just highlights again <clears throat> with all the technology and everything available at hand uh, to be able to still get it wrong. I think that's that's the thing that makes it even more frustrating. Um, that everyone basically was looking at that guy. Oh, yeah, that's that's not going to be an issue, and somehow they've come to that conclusion. So I haven't seen the team list yet. I don't know if he's been dropped, but like everyone says, like drop him for a week, do this or that. You know, there's there's no real justice in it anyway. Within a week, he's back. There's no real repercussion there's no fines like players or extended period of stand out or anything really for it like 
it'll just all be forgotten about in a week's time. But it doesn't fix anything with the Tigers. But interested to see um, if Hadji Pentelis and the club does pursue it. It's certainly a crazy, crazy story, but we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, the next big talking point, again, one that I don't want to spend a lot of time on, not because I don't care about it. I, I definitely care about it, but it's just more, you know, we're heading down another path where there's so many branches to it and it's not completely footy related. It relates to a lot of things in society and a lot of other stuff and, it, you know, it's something that you could talk about for hours. But the whole manly situation with the jersey and the players that have now withdrawn from the game and how this has all been handled, uh, I just find it insane, really insane. I'm probably, and again, whether you agree or you don't agree, like, you know, everyone's entitled to their religious beliefs, racial, cultural, like we're all different. That's one of the things about being human is that if we're all the same, it'd be a very, very boring world. I don't agree with the views of said players, but again, you, you can't... It's not their views, it's their culture. Exactly, and it's the way... It's also their religion, it's their culture, but it's, it's vice versa. You can't force your culture and your beliefs and what you believe in on everybody else and, and, and the other way around. So everyone's entitled, you know, to have those opinions. Again, I obviously don't agree with them, and a lot, a lot of people have been outraged by it today, but I think I saw a poll before on the flip side of it. I think the telly or someone didn't had 11,000 votes, saying 85% of people agree that they shouldn't have to wear the jersey if they don't want to. I, you know, I agree with that. I don't, I don't think they should have to wear the jersey, but I think it's disgusting that this is overshadowing women in league ground. Mm. I think it's on, on a few <coughs> few different uh, lines of thought here, and um, part of me thinks that you know when you when you run out and you wear a jersey every week, you represent every fan of that club. And every fan of every club would have people from different cultures, you know, sexual orientation, gender, whatever it may be, political view, religion, all that sort of stuff. So part of me, part of me thinks that, yeah, just as, as a game, we already represent all these little subgroups and we do it really well because we're, you know, we're a community-based game and we're a blue-collar game. The other side of me here, oh, I just think it's it's mismanagement. That That's probably my biggest takeaway. Is it's, there's been no consultation. Manly admitted that basically today with Des Asler coming out and saying that, you know, he feels just as much for the community in all this as he does the players because you've now put the players in a position where they are... You know, forced to take a well, not forced to, but they've they've chosen to take a stance, culturally, <coughs> which has exposed them to public criticism and ridicule, mm. which is going to make it's going to make Thursday night really difficult for the club. It's going to make it difficult from the perspective of um, fans' interactions with those players if they're going to be at the ground. It's it's going to take the gloss off women in league ground and Manly are a, are a club that's done. Um, wonderful things for women in rugby league. You know, they have the Eagles, Angels. I think they were... I can remember the Eagles, Eagles, Angels were... was a, a, you know, a group and, you know, they used to do a lot of positive things for rugby league and women's rugby league back into the, you know, the early 2000s before, you know, I guess the women's game as such took off. So, yeah, I, I don't know. And then you, you, you 
hear Ian Roberts talk and, you know, I thought he, the way he spoke today was perfect as well. I think he articulated things really, really well. God, it's a tough one. It's just, yeah, mismanagement. I feel feel like the timing of the jersey is, is really poor. I don't know whether maybe they could have, you know, done it in set round, you know, whether it's round 14 or whether whatever, there's a round where we don't have an initiative and then said, look, some of our players will be wearing pride jerseys this weekend and then just not have every player wear that jersey for that weekend. Maybe have some players just wear the normal white band on the on the manly jersey. I, I don't know what the right way to do this is. I, and I think this is the main I point. I think you should force them to, to wear it. You can't. You're not allowed to. I, you know, I, I sort of then think, okay, well, where, where does this end, wearing jerseys? Because we have jerseys for, you know, we have special jerseys for a whole heap of different things, whether they be um, culture or significant events in our history. And, what, yeah, I, I, I don't know where this is going to all head. It's sort of, yeah. Well, this is that blurred line that I'm talking about. It, I go, well, this is... This, this is going to have some ramifications, I think. Mm, but this is that point again. Yeah, something like this is never going to make everyone happy. It's No one's ever going to be happy. It's not perfect. But why, are we trying, why are we trying to make... No, but my point is it's, it's one of those things, though, that not everyone agrees on, just like everything in life. But like I said, whether it be culturally, racially, religious, sexual orientation, but I think one thing that probably stands out for me and all the time, you know, you're involved in rugby league at all different levels that I, I do think rugby league is an inclusive game. I do think, you know, it caters to a lot of the no, subsets and, and different parts. But, yeah, like some people, are, you know, you're raised a certain way and that's part of your beliefs and your culture systems and not everyone's going to agree on everything. And this this is one of those things I just look at. It's a no-win, but, you know, the player, in terms of, like, you know, a play... I just really hope, I really, really hope that we haven't, we haven't turned away any fans today, just, just whether they be... Um, yeah, whether they be from a cultural view or, you know, whether they be from a um, an orientation that, yeah, identifies as a part of the, a part of the jersey. I, I really feel for that because they're minorities. They're people who feel isolated and... Yeah, you heard, I heard Ian Roberts talk today and he was like, I was the first player to come out as being openly gay and he, he was at Manly when it happened. And... Mm, well, he's touched on the fact that he was surprised because he was con- consulted by Manly about the situation that there was no pushback, but it's only come to light a few days ago that the players obviously oh, yeah, don't know about it. But the people were yeah. saying today, how do they not know about it? It's like, well, they're not in marketing and this, that and the other. Like, clubs organise that side. On It's a classic It's a classic one of, like, they've just assumed that it would have been it would have been a Okay, and so this I is, think it's not that it's not okay. It's just that it, it just goes against their views. Like, yeah, and that's the flip of the other side. People going, well, why couldn't you have this? It's horrible this? for yeah. It's just as horrible for both. Like, so, yeah, and I don't think the answer is. I heard a, lot, a bit of commentary today. Like, oh, they should have to wear it. We should just have to wear it anyway. It's like, no. Nah, well, I'm, I'm not sure that you would like to wear something that you goes against your beliefs. Just because we don't agree with their beliefs doesn't mean that they're wrong. No, or that they're and, not entitled to them. So I think the other thing is well, it's just a really, really difficult situation. 
it's a big thing for a lot of these guys, especially being younger, is I don't think that necessarily means that somebody of that orientation in real life that have a problem with or vilify or attack, but there's putting that pressure back on them also goes back to them, how they're reflected in their family and their beliefs, what they've passed on them. It's There's a bigger knock-on effect here. There's a huge knock-on effect. Yeah. But overall, I just thought it was sad that it sort of panned out the way it did because it's such a good initiative, but it's, like I said, got so many layers to it again because of, like I said, orientation, religion, culture, background, that not everyone has the same beliefs or views whether you like it or not. So in, in the end, I just think there's no winners. There were, there's no winners at all. That's that's the hard part. Um, I thought Des Hasler, for the situation and the shit sandwich he got dished up, spoke fantastically well and, and catered really to everybody in every circumstance. And, you know, Cherry Evans, the way he handled it as well, and Ian Roberts said as much, same deal. That he thought that De, uh, Des was sin- sucked, sincere and fantastic. He could, not have, he could not have handled that any better. Uh, the big thing again here tough carry for Des like for him to have to front that and own that shows that he is the leader of that club was outstanding and another point to make and again it's I don't want to get onto this because it's the point I'm making that this could go on forever is when someone says well certain religious beliefs and backgrounds are fine with wearing betting companies and being sponsored by alcohol you're going down another road and something just so big um, but again you just no no one's ever going to be happy there's no winner (laughs) If you're going to start throwing out other levels of religious yeah, beliefs, and, yeah, that's, like, you know, yeah, there's a whole heap of things that you could you could go down that road. We're not going down that road. No, and that's more. What I, wanted. I wanted to address it because, again, it, I just think the sadder part is, like you said, takes away from women in league ground, opens up a lot of people to criticism and exposure that probably shouldn't have happened. It's probably upset a lot of people, and then the flip side, like you said, you don't want to feel like we're some caveman game. I hope, or it doesn't, I hope it doesn't ruin women in the ground. No, and I hope it doesn't ruin... about this now. Like, it should be dead and buried and move on and focus on that. But mm. it, we know what, what's going to happen, what sells papers. Yeah, well, it's no different to the Tigers. Things going to go all week as well. This whole thing will just keep going. Unfortunately, it's the, the negatives generally that drive interest. So, uh, yeah, not ideal. But like I said, I just really hope that it didn't turn away people, like you said, or put people off from the whole circumstance because I don't think well, any... It would, have, it would have, definitely. It would have, would have made feel, some people feel isolated today <clears throat> and yeah. feel angry with the game and feel and they've got every right to because they've been put in a position where, yeah, well, for, whether people like it or not, we've upset people today. Yeah, most definitely. Um, How's it going? Like I said... Uh, yeah, just think, yeah, lots of drama, lots of drama, but um, yeah, and then people talk about the football side of it, or that you know, that's just another another part of it. They're they're in a critical game and they're going to be missing key players. And like I said, there's, there's no winners, there's no winners. <laughs> so, I mean, full credit to Ian Roberts again as well. I feel like not only because of the fact that he's, he's someone who's come out on the front foot and spoke his truth and, you know, and who he is and what, what, he, what he is and what he believes in. But, you know, I feel like a lot of the times, anytime something like this has happened or a comment's thrown around that he's the one who always gets asked for comment or gets brought to the, to the forefront. And I think that's a hard situation for him. But same deal again, just class act. So um, I was more disappointed, like I said again, that the way this was handled by the club. And I think someone said today they don't have a currently a CEO at the moment, but by the bare minimum, Scott Penn or someone higher up surely could have got on a Zoom from overseas or a phone call or some sort of press conference and not thrown out your captain and your yeah. coach. Des, Des did a perfect job. Yeah. I wouldn't change that. 
Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll move on from that. Um, another one. Basically, this is sort of the set of six I've got going here. I should probably clarify at the start, but uh, Dale Finucane tackle has got a lot of people sort of split. Uh, it's come out now after you know not being penalised in the game or they're saying it was just a collision, and a bit of an accident. Got given a grade three. The forward at the judiciary was found guilty, but they were able to get it downgraded to a grade two. So he's going to miss two weeks. I... Understand everyone says it's a head clash, it's head clash, you know, bloody it's head clash. It's like, well, a centimetre this way or that way, and it's a shoulder to the face. But I, I think in this day and age, you have to have some accountability when you're running like that with next to no technique looking for a collision. That why. I don't think there was next to no technique. Oh, there wasn't a whole lot of technique, but if you want to have that sort of collision, you're not without fault at all. I'm, Dale Finucane, to me, is a clean skin. He's a great person, he's a great advocate for the game, and there, there would have been no malice or intent to hurt illegally, but you have to say in some regard that it's careless. I don't think you can just say, ah, it's just an accident. No, I agree. I, I agree. And that's more what I just surprised people are going to go, ah, it's just I, a head clash. It was not penalised on the field because it was contact with the head. Mm. Whether intentionally or not, it was contact with the head. I, to, to grade that as a grade three, yeah, it just shows you where our match review committee are at. They've got no clue what they're doing in there. No. Absolutely no clue. And I don't agree Zero with that. Zero idea. None. Yeah, and that's that's more the point but I want to get to. That there, there was intent to do what he did. Mm. What what he did was an accident. Hundred percent. It was an accident. Oh, okay. Yeah. How many weeks did he get? You got two weeks for that. Two in the end. They got, got I, down I to. That's, I, I think even that's ridiculous. Has he got? Has he got prize? Has he got a record? Oh, I think with this new, I think with the new system, they kind of got a clear, clean slate. But it was an accident. Oh, I, I could cop a week. You get two weeks for that. You see, you see some guys getting fined for things like in the Origin. There was a punch, and he got he got a fine. Well, that's a the punch. point I made the other week. And then this is an accident. He gets two weeks. <coughs> grade three. Well, this is the point I was making the other week. We, if we're going to be fine with it, there it needs to go across all. Yeah, borders of the game. We just pick and choose when we want to be serious about issues and when we don't want to be. But I, I didn't like it. But I I'm not saying it. that he's not responsible. I'm not saying that he doesn't have a duty of care. I'm not saying any of that. I get that. He made contact. He went hard. He had good line speed. He was trying to, you know, make a play for his team. I get all that. But it was an accident. There was no intent there. No. To have that outcome. No, and that's the only point I'm trying to clarify for people today that are going the old. Dinosaur, yeah, it's 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 happened. It's nah, you know this. I'm like, no, no, no. It's just he's, have, he's got some. He's got to have duty of care. You have he to have some duty of care because the result of the tackle, definitely. You blindside someone and come flying in like that, and you get it wrong just slightly. It wasn't intentional, but when that's the sort of intent you come with, which was like pure heat, the bloke got KO'd. And but there was no, there was no swinging arm. No, 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 that's what I'm talking about. Like tucking or turning the body side on for a shoulder charge like that that to me is a grade three that's reckless that that would be no. reckless that would be intent to hurt intent to intentionally breaking the rules it's a dangerous surprise me especially the grading i thought careless and maybe a week or a fine at best i think when you understand when you really analyze the movement you understand he wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a swinging arm or it wasn't a shoulder charge no which i think if they were either of those, I could copper grade through. Yeah. So I thought, you know, it was just a mixed bag. But a lot of people, I think, just... An accident caused by him going too hard. Mm, a bit. Is, is essentially what I think. 
you could define that tackle as. The, the, the most dangerous thing here is if they're setting the standard that that's dangerous contact to that level is, again... Well, they're not now, because then you go to the district and get downgraded. Like, I, I, yeah, to a grade two. But I, I thought at best it would have been a careless, not a dangerous, but... Um, what does that even fucking mean? Like, it's just <coughs> stupid. The way, the way the whole judiciary system is set up is just dumb. Mm. And then that one was resolved, and I think the next one up was the Corey Liddell. Because you can be careless and dangerous at the same time. You can be reckless, careless, and dangerous at the same time. I, I, I don't understand. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go back to more what you said before. I think you, you have some duty of care when you come in with that sort of heat. To, I'm not saying you're going to get it right every single time, but in that situation and the result, I thought minimum it'd be, it'd be a careless. And it's not, like you said, intentional... I don't think there was malice in it. He was trying to create a big moment or force an error, and unfortunately it's gone horribly wrong. But, yeah, in this sort of day and age and where we're at and what we know about concussion and collisions, there's got to be some sort of... no clarity around what the different levels are. It's just like, oh, we've So I'll be interested to see, you know, where we go from here, given other charges that have already been given or what's happened during the year, whether it be head clash or shoulder to the head, as compared to this, because there's already been an inconsistency in the level of charge. Yeah. Um, But the other one... Speaking of that, and I was waiting for a result, was the Corey Waddell situation where it was somewhat complaint on field and then almost taken away. And then Tino didn't really want to talk about it um, at the end of the, the day, but it looks like he's been found guilty of dangerous contact. So He's been found guilty of dangerous contact? Dangerous contact. So Yeah, how long? Looking at this, they're still deliberating, but the last point was at 10.22. He was found guilty. Yeah. They've adjourned for their verdict and... Yeah, look, after speaking to a few people um, today, I, there are a few still frames and, and things yeah. that... I think the Bulldogs expected him to be charged or him to, to cop something, but... Again, I, like, I've, I've known Corey Waddell. I coached him for three or four years at, at the Panthers and, you know, his dad, Steve Waddell, actually coached me, like, He's he never never done anything like that in his entire playing career, so it's certainly not within his character. It's not a character issue. No, I, I'd be surprised if he's actually had even had a prior suspension. I, I don't think there was any intent there for him to touch his eye or get his hand anywhere near his eye. The mistake he made was that he made contact with the head, and he stupidly put his hand on his face. Yeah, he's pulled backwards, and it's... that was stupid. He should have, as soon as he put his hand on his face, he should have just let go. Mm, the, think... the error, like you just said, is that the fact that he not only put his hand on his face, but then he he tried to drag him down to the ground right. using that mechanism, which was always going to cause the hand to clench. Mm. And, you know, that that's enabled them to get a spell of, of his finger coming into contact or being somewhere near his eye, which... I think going to attract a charge, which is unfortunate. But look, I think if it's a week or two, you can probably live with it and move on. Yeah, I think looking at one of the points here, he was questioned about, you know, was it possible? There, I saw some, like they would have asked him about, you know, did you, did, was there any intent? And it's like, well, he's he's putting his arm around somewhere where he can't actually see. So well, it's, it's not like your classic eye gouge where. You know, I, I've got you on the ground and I get my finger and I can see your eye and I poke my finger into your eye. That, that to me, is an eye gouge. There's he, intent there. You're saying here... There was, there was zero intending what he did. 
he doesn't accept that he put his finger in his eye than they said to him. No, because he didn't. Are you saying... Intentionally. You weren't asked about pressure or injury. Do you accept that at one point your fingers came into contact across his eyes? And he's then said, I never applied careless or dangerous pressure. So he's almost admitting that his hands ended up in the wrong place. Yeah. Um, but he didn't yeah. apply pressure. But, you know, I guess they're saying here... That you know, like basically what we're saying. I think mean, I think this, the harder point to come out of all this was there's a lot of talk during the week started with Penguin. Brain snap. That's mm. what it is. But a lot of it come off the back of the Penguin comments and all of them that we're going to get him back for Burton, this, that, and the other. And I yeah, think yeah, a few yeah, of them. No doubt the Bulldogs middle would have gone after him. He's their forward leader. Yeah, they were over exuberant around the whole situation, and I think, like you yeah. said, just a little bit stupid. And I don't, I'm not putting it in the Hudson. Just the Hudson Young category where you've got someone on the ground and you're blatantly That's exactly right. putting fingers in the face and treating them like a bowling ball. But, again, you, when you put your hands there, you basically know what the result's going to be. That's the thing. So yourself up now. They don't have the charge here in terms of length yet, but he's been found guilty. So Yeah, they'll deliberate. We'll have a charge by the end of the pod. A couple of uh, big things. Oh, sorry, we'll have how many weeks? Mm. Uh, last couple of points. Bellamy, very, very blunt in his press conference afterwards in that, you know, they don't pick these guys off the street regardless of whether it's player one or player 30 at the end of the day. You don't drop the football and you make your tackles and you're in football games. So um, I think probably the biggest swing, and again, I think it might have been more a mental game or a shot at them because he was pretty poignant looking at the camera and the way he was speaking in the sheds. Like some people go, oh, he's out of ideas or he's quit. I'm like, he's definitely not. He's, he's trying to lay down the gauntlet or... Chuck some challenges out there, but when they he said they don't know if they can turn it around, to be honest. I thought that was probably the biggest challenge you can make as a coach, especially someone with his sort of tenure, reputation and time and the way that club's been. Yes, their injury list is huge, but that's that's really throwing down the gauntlet if you basically say, Well, I don't don't know if they can turn it around. I think it was a it's a challenge to the playing group. Yeah, most definitely. <coughs> but yeah. Um, just thought interesting comment but uh, Smith is a week away one more game still from suspension Coates at least two weeks away so hopefully a few more coming in they've been relentlessly working the phone they even rang the Bulldogs to see if they could loan back in at our car they've contacted the Warriors given the fact that he's moving on <clears throat> pardon me and he's going to Brisbane and they're basically saying you know we're not going to help out other clubs and a lot of people have thrown up the idea, well, if you weren't helping out clubs, like you you know, you offloaded Lodge, even though that was more a personal issue, and he's gone to the Roosters. So what's sort of the difference here? And I don't know, a lot of people have been outraged straight away, but then I go back to the idea that last year, Pengai went to the Panthers, so why it's within the rules, you can't really complain. But the key thing here is it seems like no one wants to help out Melbourne, and probably rightfully so. Um, they've tried to loan from the Tigers. There was talk about Laurie, Adam Dewey, anyone who's sort of got the potential for a drop-in stint or... You know, they've certainly worked on the phones. They've got four more days to try and sort something out, but they're certainly trying to find somebody. Yeah, they need, they need to, mate. That's their job. They've got to do their due diligence. Not The other clubs don't need to let those players go, but Melbourne have to pick up the phone and ask. No, that's what I found funny. Some people are going, are you serious? They're yeah. up and asked to loan this guy. Like, well, fuck, you know, if you, you don't ask, they're you don't. they do what they're going to do, don't they? You don't ask, you don't know. Maybe his connection with Team Sheens, he says, all right, well, we're happy to give you Dane Laurie and see what he can do in that setup for six weeks. Or, all right, Adam, the situation with Dewey and what we've had going on here, go ahead. Or, you know, Warriors side of things, like I said, that people are going, there's no benefit. Well, there is a small benefit. They already know they're not going to have him. 
they put him on the bench this week, they're not using him, and you could probably stash a couple, you know, 100,000 or so on your salary cap to push into next year. If they don't want that, that's fine. But they've immediately done the reverse after last week, putting him and be able to use him off the bench. He's back starting this weekend. So I think a lot of people will say the same thing. If you're not going to play him, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, they're obviously out of finals contention, so... Yeah, but they're certainly going to keep pushing. I don't know what the final result's going to be. Again, I'm not surprised anyone's not looking to do a favour. The Dragons are still in the hunt and found a win again on the weekend, so I think that the Sims thing's definitely dead and buried now. Um, but more, most particularly, they'll certainly after an outside back. and uh, Just interested to see if, if they can bounce back. But it, like I said, it, it's, it's one thing when you see moments in a game, but the biggest thing for me has just been the amount of errors. They made 16 again on the weekend, which obviously puts more pressure on you defensively. Exactly, yeah. But, yeah, interesting how it plays out there. But Bellamy, certainly not pulling any punches. The one upside for them, oh, they're, no, they're still in that log jam. Um, they're two wins clear of eighth, and they're four and against, regardless of a couple of beat-ups. They're still almost 100 points better uh, than Souths and 150 points better than the Eels. So if they sort of sit within that bottom half, you know, and, and stay even or around with those teams, maybe fifth or sixth. But at this point, if they don't turn around, honestly, they could go as low as eighth. Yeah, but uh, well, I don't yeah. think it's going to matter. Like if they're not in the top four, as <coughs> well be eighth. Yeah, I, was, I guess as long as you get in um, is Aside the key from, point. Uh, at, at home final, there's no real advantage. But six games to go. It's an elimination four week four week series. And he's got to win them all. The next two are very important, though. I think it's the Gold Coast and the Warriors the next two weeks. So regardless of what state they're in, they don't have any players back oh, for at least the we next. Win. Two weeks, they have to bank those two because the run home after that is Parramatta, the Roosters, I think the Cowboys, like they've got a rough run home. Yeah. So they're going to have to at least jag the next two to sort of get themselves settled and allow some time to get some troops back on board. But speaking of that, moving on to tackle five is the rise of South. And I had stuck solid at the start of the year with the intent that when they have all that spine together and everyone's there, that things would look better. I tried not to waver. I got a little bit shaky at points there because obviously the trail come back, played like only one or two games, went off the field. Origin period, they had some injuries, they had some reshuffles. Their back row wasn't going so great, but certainly after working through some hiccups and having some bumps and bruises along the way and getting through the origin period, four in a row now and playing some absolutely outstanding football, things are looking quite good. And the wins that they've had have put them in a really good position and Beat Melbourne, brought them level with Melbourne. They're playing Parramatta a couple of weeks ago, beat them, which obviously drags them down sort of into that log jam as well. And then this weekend, they have another direct result where they play the Sharks who are one win ahead of them. So if they can keep building this momentum and knocking off those teams around them, they're certainly coming in with some momentum. Yeah, kick their ass in reserve grade and then kick Melbourne's ass in first grade. Mm. Um, no, they're certainly a club on the rise at the moment, that's for sure. Um, they're fairly healthy, which is helping. Didn't have a lot of players involved in Origin, which, again, helps. Having Latrell have that little mid-season break, I think he's only going to get better. He's going to strip dinner over the next month. Like, he's really going to get into game condition and you know, probably lose a couple more kilos. And it, watching him live on the weekend, like, he's just a freak. I think... Natural, a natural mover, a natural... Just rugby league player, isn't he? Like he just some of the catches of those bombs. Like he just he caught him with his fingers. 
well, we were saying it there live, and I was probably going to reference this during the game reviews, but I'll do it now instead. The difference between, say, him and a Tedesco, like you can pick on things in video if you really wanted to of the trail and go, oh, he was lazy in goal line defense and getting across or covering this or that. But some of the moments he comes up with, it's almost just like, well, fuck, look at the five or six things I've done here that no one else could do in a game. Yeah. He certainly picks and chooses his moments, but we got to see the best of him right in front of us at the end of the field. And, you know, you've got Tedesco on the other side, probably doesn't have as many gifts, but he just covers every blade of grass. He's just relentless. He's there for everything. He's on the ball. He's just pushing well, on everything. like Slater and Inglis. Slater was <coughs> similar to Tedesco, and Inglis was similar to Latrell. Mm. But it was crazy to watch him the other night, like we said. Just at moments, smile and slide in on his knees, catch on his fingertips. You know, and you remember when they went through that debate when Inglis was playing a bit of fullback in Origin? You know, who's better, Slater or Inglis? Like, mm. How about both of them? Yeah. Very, very who's better, they're just different. Yeah. Well, moving away from that one, there's certainly a team to look out for, and we'll finish off with our set of six with our power rankings. We haven't done them for a long time. Brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Like I said, the bills are rising. Everything's rising with bloody inflation, but there's never a better time if you've got the ability to invest in your home and in your own back pocket. Tackle those rising bills head on with the help of solar energy, www.penrithsolar.com.au or call 1820 today. Number one, Penrith Panthers by a mile. Yeah. Number two, this is the interesting one between the Cowboys and the Sharks. I know the, the Sharks beat them the other week, missing some players, but head-to-head today, if they were to play and Cotter is potentially back in a week and McLean, Sharks, who do you think would win out of Sharks-Cowboys? Uh, I'd go Sharks. Yep, I've got the Sharks two at the moment. Three, the Cowboys. Yep. Four, I've got the Broncos. Yep. They've obviously built nicely. They've navigated a tough period. They've been able to roll players in and out. Um, and they've got themselves in a great spot at the moment. Number five, after what's happened the last few weeks, South Sydney. Yep, South Sydney. Yep. Number six, who have you got? Para. Para, yep, I've got them there as well. Number seven? Storm. Yep, well, this one, again, the way they've been going and who they've lost to, you could have that. And number eight, I've got the Roosters. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to say the Raiders. Yeah, I, I think... we got four teams who are 9-9. Nine nine. The way they handled last week in the first half compared to the second half. Uh, yeah, but, I'll, I'll go Roosters, but they're playing each other soon anyway, aren't they? Roosters, Raiders? I think in a couple of weeks, but yeah, I think the Roosters, <laughs> tough period. we got, we got Roosters mainly this week, 8-9. Mm, some bad losses uh, early in the year that might come back to haunt them, in particular Bulldogs and Newcastle. But the football they've played... To have Lodge come over mid-season, Jared missed an extended period, Kiri coming back into the fold, Manu and Collins this week. Um, I think, you know, we talked about the other week, they had to win these next three. They beat two teams around them, now the potential to get Manly in this situation, to move clear into that spot. It's uh, it's certainly a big week for them, but I think they're sort of building nicely. I don't know if they can get it done, because they've got a tough run home as well, but with what's going on around them, with Manly, the Dragons, and like we said, the Raiders, Raiders in the first half of the weekend looked like they were going to throw that game down the road. So, who knows, but that eighth spot is certainly open. Sure is, pal. <coughs> Pardon me again for the coughs. It's just ongoing, this sickness, but we'll move on to the reviews of the games from the weekend. Speaking of the Broncos, as before, and how they're good form, 36-14 over the Parramatta Eels. Uh, early on, Eels, all the pressure, all the opportunity. 
find a, a try after sort of probing away at Brisbane for a couple of minutes and pinning him in their own end. That combination between Lane and Brown, so good. Gets nice and deep in line and finds an offload. But, you know, after that, <clears throat> it just seemed like there was a 15-minute period there where Eels were just under duress. Broncos were coming at them. They were pouring through the middle. Carrigan, Haas, and Flegler were absolutely outstanding again. And, you know, a combination of luck at times when you get six agains from kick ricochets and whatnot. But it just felt like between that, six agains and, and just repeat sets, they just piled on the pressure. And when the floodgates opened, they opened. They, they busted Parramatta up three or four times to go in with a convincing lead. Yeah, they... Well, Parramatta, yeah, like I said, Parramatta started fast, but the Broncos certainly nullified that and kicked better. I, I, Parramatta's defence was pretty ordinary in the middle of the field. They just couldn't control the Broncos and it gave Reynolds an opportunity just to pick them apart with his passing game and his kicking game, which is far too good for him. Mm, and talked about it last week. Like They're ranked 10th in defence. I think they've conceded in a lot of categories like missed tackles, line breaks, inside 20 defence, they're, they're basically bottom four or not in the top eight side of things or top four like you'd want to be for all those categories. It, it's it's hard to see progressing or being a real threat if, if you don't defend well. You have to defend well. There's no doubt they've got plenty of talent, they've got plenty to go for it and they can score points at will when they want to, but the gap between their best and their worst, even in that regard, let alone where they are defensively on a weekly basis, is... Is a real concern, but you know they gave themselves a little bit of hope. They jagged a try at half time despite having Panasini in the bin, but second half sort of went the same way again. Um, just when you thought they may have arrested back a little bit of momentum, they think it was the Gutherson error that came about, and Reynolds pushes that one through and scores, and that sort of put it almost beyond doubt. And, yeah, it, it wasn't a great night for them, that's for sure. Um, oh, sorry, first kick of the, of the half, sorry, was not the, that one. It was the Oats' first playoff, first set, putting it out to 30 to 10. Just felt like they were chasing their tails the whole time. So well, I guess for them, like we said, with, with a tough run home and the games they've got coming up, they're, they're the ones that are going to decide where they end up. We know even with that rough run last year, they come in red hot and they were not far away from going into a prelim and knocking Penrith off, but... Can they just switch it back on? Can they find their best form? It, it, it's yet to be seen, but yeah, I think the biggest thing that's concerning me is just defense. Yep. Brisbane, though, uh, outstanding. Keep heading in the right direction, navigated that tough period. The development, like we said, from a lot of those guys that are now reaching that 50 game mark, a couple of tough years in first grade, coupled with some veterans um, and the sprinkling of a couple of smart purchases. It, you know, things are really, really building nicely for him. The fact that Walsh is coming again next year has been an outstanding job done by all. I think Kevy obviously, you know, deserves a wrap. Um, a lot of pressure last year and struggled with it, but they bring Iken in, they get Dave Donahue, they take away a lot of the off-field and bits and pieces that he shouldn't be dealing with. He's focusing purely on football. You get a guy like Reynolds in there. Mam is another one like what he's played with in regards to a Kiri or a Cody Walker, like a spark plug outside of him. Seems like everything's falling into place really nicely. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how they go on the back end. Um, <clears throat> but moving on from that one, St. George up against Manly. It's just it's, it's really hard to get a read on the Dragons at this point. One minute, they get absolutely towed up, and then they'll come up with a victory you're not expecting. But this one, I guess, is probably more disappointing for Manly. I know they come in up with some COVID worries. It was Croker, Jake, and Davey. But it just, yeah, it really felt like they... 
just didn't help themselves between errors and, and discipline and the, the Dragons, the same old, same old. It's just the Ben Hunt show. Ben Hunt, kicking game, control, building pressure, and then they just sort of scrapped away and come away with a, a, a decent win in the end. But his form this year has just been something else. Yeah, it was an effort win. They ran harder. They out-enthused Manly and they paid off on the scoreboard mm. for the Dragons. It was yeah, a real effort win. And, yeah, just the class of Ben Hunt. I thought Cherry Evans had a bit of an off game. Hunt was really, really good, and that was probably the difference in him. Yeah, it's certainly, like you said, not uh, not not a great week for them. And then in the lead in the situation they've got now, but pretty costly. And I think the nine situation was the most interesting one. Wasn't convinced they were going to play weeks. He ended up only getting 10 minutes at the back end of the game. But I, I thought Walker, considering the circumstances, played pretty well. Um, you know, Garrick always tries hard out of the way. Had, had a couple of errors, but obviously can't question the sort of effort that he put in, but... Yeah, I think for the Dragons, like you said, just kick, control, poor conditions. They, they did a better job uh, pinning and turning them around and got an impact out of a couple of guys, and it's the unsung ones again. Like Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, Laurie, who doesn't get a lot of raps, busted his ass, but Benny Hunt, I know he copped a lot over a few years there after what happened, but certainly this year, the form at club, and then have that origin moment, and he's uh, really having... A lot of good things come up for him, and it's just on the back of hard work. And he's just taken his stride after all the criticism year on year, and he's playing outstanding football. Yes. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, interesting for them, like I said, after a couple of poor losses, Jag win like that again, a direct result that pulls him into that log jam. Harder one this week up against the Cowboys. Again, their run home's not the greatest. They're probably going to have to jag a couple of these results if they want to be in with a sniff. But yeah, it's. Uh, Certainly, one of the teams that I, I just can't get a handle on—that's for sure. But, yeah, it was an important win for them. Mm, moving on from their game, Roosters Newcastle. This one just rough, you know. Lost Tokiaho, Satili, Collins was still out with a concussion. They rested him for another week. Joey Manu pulls out beforehand, but they just absolutely obliterated them. Um, it felt like Newcastle had all the opportunity for the first 10, 15 minutes. The Ponga knockout certainly doesn't help, but. Early on, I was sort of sitting there thinking, you know, Roosters are doing well to hold on here, but their discipline and errors were not helping. But once they finally got in possession, it just flipped on its head and it felt from there that it was all one-way traffic. Um, the Connor Watson moment where he just jumps down a short side, basically in a clean line break on Clune, Tedesco just all over the field. And we talk about those moments. The, the, the moment that he had for the Momorowski Oh, I think it was the Momorowski try. It might have been another one. There was one where he caught it on a loaded short side and nothing was doing. He's passed it, run all the way back across field. He's probably tracked 50-something metres just to be in the right position to get the ball off for Momorowski to catch pass. I think it was for Sawali. You just look at that one again when I talk about someone who's been so relentless in their pursuit, always been around the football, always just being somewhere just in case. Like, that bloke is a freak. Mm. Yeah, I just... 
bitch slapped him really, didn't they? They, they uh, apart from the first 15 minutes there, where, like you said, their discipline was a little bit down, but after that, things just manifested for Newcastle, and they, they, they get into funks during games, and they, they can't quite get out of them, where their discipline errors, and just their defensive resolve just goes out the window, and the Roosters took complete advantage of that and ran away with it. It could have been a lot more, to be fair. Uh, yeah, some real concerns for Adam O'Brien. He, he looks at press conferences like he's just a man without answers. <coughs> a man that's extremely drained at the moment. It's tough, tough to watch him at press conferences. Well, again, if, if we're being fair, they shouldn't be going as bad as what they are. They've, they've actually got players back and they're going worse. They've got rep level forwards. Yeah, just you get players back doesn't mean they're in their best form. No, I know that. But it, again, like, I don't know if it's more just attitude or people are trying to solve things on their own. Like Clearly, anyone now could see that letting Mitchell Pearce go was a mistake. And I know he was the one more pushing in the end, but I think it had a lot to do with the year before what had happened, which was partly his own doing. But after that, they sort of got to a point where I think their stance with him and contract offer and what you know other clubs are interested, I, I think he just got to a point where he's been through the, the ringer, again, not all without fault, um, that he wanted out. He wanted to go somewhere else and move out of the NRL spotlight. But losing Braley the way they did, losing him, and then having everything basically on Ponga um, is not ideal. And moving forward again, I, I don't know the solve. Like, Braley's a great player, but can he stay healthy? Can you get the go forward and utilise everyone around Kalen Ponga to, to get him involved and give him the opportunities he needs at a number one and can you find a halfback because it's very very hard just to pluck one in a thin air yeah. but I think that you know Gagai I know Best isn't playing but I think Young is a good player they've got good enough forwards like there's, there's plenty of quality there that I look at a few rosters and go they should still certainly be doing better but it's just not happening yeah. uh, you know the hit that happened on Ponga like I you know I thought it was fairly innocuous, but again, we see here that the situation... It's a little bit concerning that, yeah, again, it's certainly a penalty. Yeah, but it's, but it, it's not it's the worst. It's a little bit concerning how, how easily he's becoming concussed. Hmm. Well, it's six head knocks for this year, and I think... That's ridiculous. We're going to look at that as a game, and... Yeah, return to play protocols, and I think at the moment it's sort of ten days. Is it it's ten days oh, from New South Wales Cup? And it gets longer without specialist consultation, and yeah, but for NRL, they can. It's seven days, I think. So I'm not sure seven days is right, provided that you fail your HIA and you. you you're proven to have had a concussion. Like I don't think we should just be anyone who gets a, a bump should be ruled out but for those that we know have caused damage <coughs> I think we need to really look at the way that we manage them as a game yeah well he's gone to see a specialist they potentially think he'll be ruled out for the rest of the year I think he's had the majority of in the last six weeks he's failed HIA three times so you know it's, it's clearly an issue uh, for them and him and I look at that situation again where someone's saying well he might be able to come back or oh, maybe just say you go like, your season's over Things are not looking great. You've just invested and he hasn't even started this brand new five-year, $6 million contract. If there's anybody, I certainly wouldn't be looking to do any damage to it, someone you've invested that heavily into. I think my biggest focus here now is figuring out 
if we can find a half, what we're going to do moving forward in the next year and, you know, getting the best out of a couple of guys that have gone there and frankly been disappointing. And they just, they all look very disjointed, very individual, and it's just not happening. Yeah. Um, but for O'Brien, it's probably, you know, like you said, the way he's speaking and the way he's handling things, it's a real concern. He, he basically looks defeated at this point in time. And again, yeah, I don't know about defeated. He just, yeah, he's. Mm. Yeah, it's a concern. Without answers, I, I, would, I would think. I, he, I think you made the comment. Oh, I look, I feel like this press conference is just on a loop. So, uh, yeah, well, yeah, he's like tough. it's been a shitty season and this that now. Like, yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> but Roosters, like I said, finding good form at the right time. It's been a tough year for them as well. Um, plenty of ins and outs and. Seems like they've had no continuity. Kiri's sort of been riding that roller coaster again, and the nine situation, and Ford's missing extended periods as well. And just after it felt the other week that they might have been dealt a death blow, they've come up with a big result still against the Dragons. They got a big result again here. Um, they've pulled themselves into that mix, and it's all those guys that they need to do that, doing the job. I think Walker at seven taking a bit of pressure off Kiri allowed Kiri to have a pretty good return the other night and, and inject himself in right moments without feeling, you know, a great amount of pressure. Lodge certainly is a help. And having Jared back in this week, they'll get Collins back in. Um, Sawali's improvement over the year, just, you know, outstanding. And like guys like Crichton, who probably haven't played their best footy, playing good footy, and Tedesco's just gone next worldly. The way he's built into the season, in particular that origin period, and the way he's come out, um, he was just ridiculous the other night. So... Interested to see how they go. Um, not so much this week. They obviously have to win, but in the weeks after that, when they get into that difficult sort of run, if they can knock off a few teams and potentially be some nuisance value come finals time, I'm still not convinced uh, if they can be as, de- as much of a threat for the title as I thought they were. But if they come in with good form and get these guys back in, Jared, Kiri, Manu, etc., and keep this sort of 17 healthy, I have no doubt they could probably roll a couple of teams come finals time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Raiders-Warriors, this one again, pretty much what I summed up before. As typical Canberra as it gets. Canberra, in Canberra, sunny day, Warriors, creamy draw. Here comes the start of the run home, and before you know it, they're down 12-0. Uh, they go in at half down, half time down, 14-0. They're disciplined, ordinary. The football they're playing is not the greatest. Simple misses, like Arcee just hits Fogarty's inside shoulder. The shift across field for the first try. They kind of get caught ball watching infield and run around the outside of Jack and Murchie just crashes over and you're sort of thinking, oh, fuck, here we go again. And if, if you're a Canberra fan, I'm sure you're thinking the same thing, just going, what, what are we doing? Why can we beat Melbourne or why can we beat some of these teams? But anytime you sort of come up against someone, you think they'll do it today, they'll put a score on, they just make it look so hard. But second half, complete different story. 26 unanswered points. Jack coming up with a couple of critical 40-20s to put them in key positions. And uh, like the Tomoko one was just insane, that try. There's three blokes on him. He's got no right to offload there. It was a pretty soft start in terms of the Warriors, but it, Canberra is going with it from there. And the Warriors sort of self-implode. Tavanga makes another error that puts him in a position to score. Harawira Naira comes up with a, a nice line. The shift coast to coast back for Chris. You know, it ended up being a really nice second half. But again, that 
Jekyll and Hyde side of Canberra where you just do not know what you're going to get in two halves of football or within five-minute periods for Christ's so sake. You just really don't know what you're going to get. No, they're both as unpredictable as each other, aren't they? Canberra may be a little bit less unpredictable, but I thought it was a really, really... The second half from Jack Whiten was <coughs> as good a footy as I've seen him play since the year they made that great run to the grand final. His uh, kicking game in particular, not something he's noted for, but just gave them really, really good field position and ensured that the Warriors were defending for long periods of time, which gassed them and gave Canberra possession and field position, which was what they needed. The first half, they just got jumped, didn't they? They started really poorly and used to kick defensively and, and their discipline wasn't great. And that That's sort of what they're going to push towards, ensuring that they've got their best footy on for 70 to 80 minutes, not for, you know, 40 to 50 minutes. Mm. And I think to Pine, Tarpany, sorry, he's just been exceptional. He... Was outstanding again uh, between him and Pup. Their best footy competes with everyone. Yeah, that, that's the scarier part, though. I, I still think at times the only thing I question maybe be edge defence because they're centre pairing, but in terms of forward pack halves, like they found two nines, like different nines with a bit of contrast. I think Savi's a, a bit of an X factor, and you know, between his bench options, Sutton, Gula, Harrower, and Ike, he's got guys he could chop and change there, and he has two weeks ago, but. You know, the, the biggest things that we talk about with those sides at the top, the difference between their best and worst is small. The difference between Canberra's best and worst can be absolutely huge. But yeah. Jack, like you said, big, big influence on this game, along with Tarpany, who's been career best form. Um, Harrower and Ira coming on, getting a double. Really impacted. I think Jamal is building nicely after an extended period of injury and playing with these guys, and that'll only get better. But, you know, if you've got 57% of possession... And you've 14 offloads to four. I thought the second phase really killed the Warriors. you, you got to come away with the result. And then the second half, 2,600 points is a positive. Um, but again, just week to week, you don't know what you're going to get. They get the Titans this week. They could make that look super difficult or they could blow them off the park, but you just don't know. Yeah, exactly. I think last time they were down 22 nil to the Titans and then came over the top and won 24-22. Ridiculous. Yeah. Exactly, and that's... The, the Raiders made Ocker team playing in a grand final. That wouldn't shock me, but them also missing the eight wouldn't shock me. That's, yeah. that's the Raiders. That is the Raiders, summed up to an absolute T. Uh, for the Warriors, there's the same old, same old most weeks. I think Fenua Blake, Toe Harris, these sort of guys make a really good effort. I think for what has been, as we know, a difficult situation, um, you know, I think they've certainly can't question their effort Egan has improved a lot this year and impressed me as well. And Yeah, I, I think for them, the, the best thing will be seeing any of the home games they've got left over. Um, and the crowd, they, they play Melbourne there this week after getting beaten by 70 points in the Anzac clash. I'm sure they'll come with a lot more fire. And I think, like I said, your mob finishes up there around 25 against them. Any of their home games, I'm really looking forward to watching for the remainder of this year. 100%. Panthers-Cronulla, this one... Um, Heard a lot, didn't get to watch it because we are at the football ourselves, but got to finally have a look. And I must say, you know, they, they, they brought the heat early. They come out with the baseball bats using one of your terms. They were physical. They really tried to get stuck into Penrith. But I think the biggest lesson to take out of this one, much like Melbourne of the past or Roosters of the past or these sort of teams and Penrith being that leading one now, is you've got to play for 80 minutes. And 
once Penrith sort of copped Cronulla's best punches for 15 to 20 minutes and it got settled into a back-and-forth territory, possession, yardage, and kick-and-grind game. Felt like Penrith just didn't come over the top of them, but certainly just slowly strangled the life out of the Sharks. They kept getting trapped in yardage. They were kicking from further and further away. The inside 50s and inside 20 opportunities were massively in favour of Penrith, and I thought Cleary was really the one who signalled his intent when he kicked early when they were down 10-0 just to turn around in the wet and say, all right, this is the game we're going to play. Um, yeah. Arpy's influence from dummy half, man, he's going to be such a huge loss for them. Of all the, of all losses and knowing what they've got coming to their system, that's one that you cannot replace overnight. Absolutely not, no. They, uh... Look, they're... it was just mature from Penrith, wasn't it? They didn't get rattled at all. They were down 10. It was wet, it was cold. They hadn't done a lot of training because of all the time that they'd given off, uh, given the players off after Origin, and they handled it really, really well. And yeah, that was a close game up until the end, but I never really felt like Penrith were going to lose watching it on, on replay. Obviously, I knew the result when I watched it, but mm. I think the only moment the Sharks really, really got, um, you know, they made an error off a of scrum and. Mully Tyler at the end had an opportunity for an intercept that he almost knocked up to himself, but watching it after sort of, like you said, that first 15-20 where Penrith absorbed all their best punches, it just sort of yeah. felt like, we're here for the long haul. If this is the game you want to play, that's fine, but I'm still just blown away how much energy they have from start to finish in terms of line speed, the effort they front load into play one, two, just trapping, um, like I said, they, they just slowly start their field position and their sets off better and better and better and just turn the screws they're, they're, they're relentless and like you said I think the biggest thing not only for the week off people are going oh you know they looked a bit clunky forget just the one week your whole spine basically and half your team was in origin for a six week period so they've, yeah. had, they've had no quality training together for the majority of the last two months essentially yeah people don't really realise the impact that origin has not just, it's not just about oh you lose it for a game <coughs> training and you know the recovery that they need when they come back and mm. it's all that stuff um, and then uh, you put them in this situation I guess the one downside we've said basically they've been lucky health wise there's a few things that have come in this game uh, Mitch Kenny obviously not really a huge blow but still in terms of depth and the way they like to use their 17 he's been injured Jerome Luai is the big one um, he's hurt his knee they haven't clarified a timeline yet some people have said two three weeks some have said it could be Six weeks, I guess the beauty for Penrith is the situation they're in. Only one loss. O'Sullivan and Falls have both played a couple of games. O'Sullivan will likely get the nod, you'd assume. So they'll, they'll cover up that side of things. Um, Leota didn't play. I don't think he's named to start this week. He's in the reserve, so he'll potentially be missing. And then the other one's Crichton with his ear, plus the knockout. So there'll be a few troops down for the first time. Uh, bar the origin stuff, they've basically had no injuries. Um, and they played Parramatta and certainly had the wood on them. So, interesting to see how they go this weekend with a couple of guys missing. Yeah, 100%. Uh, for Parramatta, perfect opportunity like last year when they sort of gave themselves a jump start against Melbourne when they were in that rut. You get Penrith, Battle of the West, a couple of troops down on your home deck. Like, what do you want to make of this season? If there was ever a time to make a statement, regardless of whether, you know, who's playing or not, when they're a little bit vulnerable. There's blood in the water here. Parramatta have a huge opportunity this week. Yeah, big time. But uh, 
certainly didn't lose any respect for the Sharks here, but just still think maybe this year that, you know, if Penrith are healthy and we speak about those guys there, I think they're still far and away the best team in this competition. Yeah, I think so. Between Sharks, Cowboys, Broncos, I could all see them uh, on their day beating one another, but I think Penrith, best form, healthy, are still out and out, you know, in a league of their own. South really interests me. Again, if they could somehow get a run and play them again, it'd be a hell of a story considering the way they started the season. But I'm not quite at that point yet. Uh, but yeah, for now, uh, you know. Look, I'll, I'll look at it and think you got Cowboys, Broncos, Storm, Rabbitohs, Eels, Roosters, Seagulls, Raiders. I even you could throw the Dragons in there. All of those teams could beat each other on their day. Like some are obviously more more consistent than the others, but the way that they're all playing at the moment, I think they could all they could all beat themselves mm. in each other. But, yeah. Which is an exciting thing for the competition. I think that's great as we head into finals. Hopefully, it stays that way. But yeah, it's just the team on top that everyone's really got to. Someone's got to jump up and to their level on one day. That's all they've got to do. Just mm. going to be one day. And that's the beauty of finals. Like we said, after that, it doesn't matter about wins and losses. It's uh, winning. It all goes in the in the toilet. That's right. Winner moves you on. Wash it and start again. Loser goes home. So correct. Uh, they'll take some... two teams are going to get a crack at it. Yeah, they'll take maybe some... only, maybe one. Maybe only one will one will need it. Mm. They'll get some confidence out of this one. But uh, I thought Hines, considering, uh, played pretty well, kicked pretty well, ran pretty well. McKinnis tried hard. Like Braley off the back foot, I thought sixty tackles, only one miss, and Certainly tried his hardest, but the biggest thing, I guess, is just the strangle on their forward pack. Their forward pack come out hard the first 10, 15 minutes, but after that, Penrith just put the screws on them. They really didn't make many inroads, and on the flip, like I said, Cleary's kicking game, the dropout, just some just some key moments and maturity, Arpy's manipulation, um, their left edge is always kick out, some big moments again, Tago, etc., um, and, and Dylan Edwards, he's... Certainly not underappreciated anymore, but man, that guy works hard. Yeah. Uh, moving on from this one, Storm Melbourne. Uh, sorry, Storm South. Well, there, twenty-four to twelve. Um, and I'll say it again. Basically, what he said afterwards, like, you know, if you get drop balls and not make your tackles, things are going to be very, very difficult. But sixteen yeah. errors again on the night. Too many missed tackles, and you know, if if you're going to put yourself under extra pressure defensively when you're already in a weakened state with players missing. Making 16 errors is certainly not going to help you, but the, the defensive breakdowns just continue to pop up and it comes down to, again, like I said, when you're missing some key players and you've got new edges and your middle's not doing a job, it exposes your edges even more. It's it's not going to get any better unless they are able to clean up both sides of the ball, but 16 errors is unacceptable. Yeah, I thought the scoreline flooded Melbourne, to be fair. I do too. Well, South clunked away and... Probably should have put more on them and put them away far earlier than what they did. They, I felt like they were playing with their food a little bit. Yeah, well, but that that goes to Melbourne's grit. Like you can talk about errors and all the uh, the technical stuff and the execution stuff, but effort—you're never gonna, you can never question a Melbourne side for effort. And they certainly had a lot of effort to solve a lot of defensive issues that not a lot of other teams would have been able to solve or or have made the effort to solve. Hmm. So the scoreboard and their defence and their effort probably kept them this game a lot longer than what they deserved to be. Yeah, and it's 
things like the the first try to sum it up. They were like man on an edge there, and just the decision from a couple of guys that haven't played a lot of football. They jammed in really, really tight. Like the space that opened up for Kyle Matungi was ridiculous. Um, they come up with a lot of repeats, and then we saw Latrell's class, the long pass to Johnston, who had a bit of work to do. Later on the night, he came up with a nice flick pass after a clean-up, which led to another opportunity. Um, and then they obviously iced things at the back end of the game. Um, in general, just watching them attack with him back in, he, he makes a huge difference. I think Ilias, you've certainly seen the better of him the last few weeks because it's relieved Cody and he's been able to settle in a bit more. He scored a very, very nice try through support and had three or four guys around him out to beat. Uh, Cody... Probably not his greatest night, but again, the difference of having Latrell back and having that extra body. He, he got hammered by Olam and Eremaya, but Kalamatungi, it was another one of those ones where I sort of look and I'm still really disappointed he never got picked for Origin. That's true. Mm. <coughs> Pardon me. He certainly would have done a job for us. Yeah, I just think, again, back row, we've sort of got makeshift guys or good players in Murray and Martin, etc. but the way their best football is generally through the middle or on one of the edges, probably Martin, etc. But yeah, I think Kalamatungi's a real class player. He he was great in this game again the other night. Spine was great, like we said. The Trolls moments, why sporadic or you know he's not as busy as a Tedesco. He's just worth his weight in gold. Um, what about uh, Corey Waddell? The verdict has been given. He got five weeks. Wow, well, right. Well, there you go. So they've, they've hammered him. That's ridiculous. I didn't think it was anywhere near the level of a, a Hudson Young. I know people were saying eye gouges and eye gouge or hands and. The face is hands in the face, but yeah, um, certainly don't didn't think it was anywhere near that severe. That's hefty. You there? Yeah, yeah. I just said that it was ridiculous. Very hefty. Uh, but closing out in this game again, we just said the rise of South. That's four in a row. Their, their middles, who were pretty poor, have certainly come to the party to taller after. A layoff. Tommy's playing good. I think Arrow, similarly, um, is is doing a job. And you know, outside backs, they've had some chopping and changing, but they seem a little bit more settled now. Having Tars on one side, Paulo on that wing spot. Um, Campbell Graham will still be to return. It was probably their most consistent for that extended period of time. But yeah, health is very very important. Key players being there very very important. But Latrell has certainly unlocked a lot more freedom and confidence within their spine and on the back of that it's energised a lot of people but their their forwards were good OBs were good and um, another another good challenge this week up against the Sharks and if, if they can get over the top of the Sharks and the way they've been playing recently well then they're, they're a very very serious threat yeah uh, for Melbourne again not the greatest night um, obviously some moments Seve had one of his better games I think Meany was solid um, Harry obviously tried hard, as did Munster, Hughes, etc. But just the errors and missed tackles. We'll see if they can turn around with a tough road trip to New Zealand. But if I'm being honest, it's a must win. It really is. If they don't win the next two with the run home they've got, that that you know they'll definitely finish seventh, eighth, and even crazier if those teams win under them and they go on a bad run and can't yeah, recollect let's, it. Let's just not Let's just see how they go. They've got the ability to beat anyone on their day. They need some troops back and. Yeah, just need to find their feet. Mm. Good players in that time. Speaking of dogs, like you just did, uh, good win for the doggies, thirty six twenty six over the Titans. But the damage in this one was done in the first half. Uh, the Titans yeah. just leaked way too easily. Uh, Burton 
the first one pretty much summed it up. Inside shoulder of Herbert rolls downfield for Adokara and Marshall King again. Obviously not as underrated as what he probably was early on when I went on my rant about Penrith and a couple other clubs looking or a bit underappreciated. Excellent impact by him in this one again. Bit of a show and go. Sells a dummy, then two wide at the half position, digs in a line, comes up with a nice offload for Burton to follow up and score. But yeah, certainly half time looking at the scoreline, you'd think damage is well and truly done. But Titans, bit of resilience. Um, Sexton, as I've said before, impressive short kicking game. I know he's, there's not a lot else that's gone right this year, but he came up with a couple yeah, of moments. He's he was, in first grade. Mm, so. He obviously scored. In the first half, he came up with a couple of nice kicks for repeats and set a couple up. But um, once they sort of dragged themselves back in that position and had a bit of life, they concede um, again and sort of puts the game to bed. But, yeah, it's it, the frustration, and I think more frustrating coming out of it. You look at the way they start and the way the game pans out, and then they have the Kevin Proctor situation on the back of it, which probably just sums yeah, up where they're at. Ridiculous. The club's a shambles at the moment. An absolute shambles on the field and off the field. The way they the way they defend and the the defensive resilience they've got is embarrassing. And the way that the players are, you know, like for what what Kevin did is just yeah, stupidity personified. Well, more and he hasn't been playing hasn't been playing good footy, and that's the way that he decides that he's going to contribute for the weekend. It's I'm glad to glad the Titans punted him. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, well, there's only five games to go, or whatever it is. But what should that matter? Yeah, well, exactly. And like I said, at the end of the day, he's been paid well. He come there as a representative player, and his contribution yeah, overall he's delivered nothing. Hasn't been great. So I think for the Titans, you know, people would say oh, it's a no-win situation. I'm like, well, the one who really lost here was Kevin Proctor because he's out of contract. Yeah. He's a veteran, an ex. New Zealand player and, you know, some clubs might have considered sounding him out to potentially to play as a middle or move into a different role at the back end of his career. But um, with the sort of back end of his time at the Titans, I think his only option will be probably the Super League. And, um, you know, saying that they don't gain anything, well, there's still three months left of wages to pay and he'd still be on a decent wicket. So for them, I guess they just look at this situation and go, mate, you're our club captain. Now this is what you're doing. Find the door and we'll use that little bit for next year. So... Good riddance, yeah. and just another week where the Titans can't tackle. No, nah, and I think the dogs, we got the flip the side dogs of it. They're really, really good, and they're playing some good, open, expansive footy. It's nice to see. Mm, dogs are actually been a joy to watch, you know, barely been able to score a point, and now things very free-flowing, and, uh, you know, yeah. still got to solve some defensive things themselves. Their defence hasn't improved a whole lot, but they've gone from barely being able to score twice a game to easily four or five tries every week. They're, they're close to 30 points since Mick's taken over. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for them, like we said, we're seeing the best of Burton. Fox has certainly come to life. You know, their, their forwards are all energised. Master King's been outstanding. Karaz. Um, and, yeah, on the Titans side, things like I said, Tino is always leading from the front. Um, you, know, then you can't never question him Semi was a good player to get back I think Clark in that new role was okay again and like I said Sexton's got some good parts to his game but he's learning the hard way with not a lot of help unfortunately so it's not going to get much better And they play the Raiders this week so we'll see how they turn up for that one um, and what have I got here to finish up is the Cowboys game which obviously we know about the real 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 big moment that occurred in that one which is just absolute insanity but 
you know, I thought they had a red hot crack. You've got the Cowboys who come out again, big, big origin representation, still a couple of guys injured, entitled to be a little bit rusty, but carve them up the middle, first set and go 100 metres to score. Tell I was off like Robson did. And I'm sitting there going, this is going to be a cricket school. But to the Tigers' credit, they never went away. And probably uncharacteristically for the Cowboys, who have been the second best defensive team in the competition this year, um, probably got picked apart a little bit easier than they would have liked in particular. On their right edge defensively, the left side of the Tigers, Brooks come up with a couple of nice passes to play th- uh, through them, around them and over the top. Um, but yeah, this one was actually quite entertaining considering it was back and forth and you thought that critical moment had hit when they've defended the Sinbin period and then you've got the Tuolungi drop where Brooks has thrown it in the back of him and Nenai's run away and the field goal gets kicked and you think it's seven point lead. This is game over, but for them to go bang, bang, score a couple of tries and pull themselves back in front, it was just absolute insanity and the way it ended was just heartbreaking. They they really, really acquitted themselves well, played a good brand of footy. The Cowboys are still, they've got a little bit of a, an origin hangover, it seems, and teams are maybe starting to work them out a little bit, work out some weaknesses, but, uh, yeah, Tigers did extremely well. We fired to go, scored two late tries to put themselves ahead, and we've spoken about the end of it. It was, yeah, robbery. Mm, so... Like you said, at the end of the day, people could say, oh, it doesn't affect the finals. Well, you know, those teams in the top four, I'm sure, would have preferred them end up on the losing end because it takes them away from, you know, a home final or still being more on that log jam in the top four, not really getting to push away. And and no one wants to be last. Like I said, if you told the Tigers at the end of the year they finish last or they equal what they're going to look back at, they'll look at this one and it should have been a win. Definitely. but yeah, I thought Laurie had a really good day. Off of Hengawi, like I said, really impressed me after a pretty poor year last year. I thought he was good again. Brooks, that pass was unfortunate, but he had a couple of better moments. Um, and overall, their effort as a whole was really, really good. The Cowboys, similar to Penrith, you know, a little bit of ring rust after contributing so many to the squads, no surprise. But I'm just a little bit bothered by the defence. They've been so relentless in that area. Um, some of it just seemed a little bit too easy, but. You know, 50 missed tackles as well. That, that, that's certainly not something. 16 errors, nine line breaks conceded. That's very much, you know, a, a blip on the radar of what we've seen in the sample size of them this year defensively. Definitely. So hopefully that's not a trend moving forward, but no surprise. A lot of those guys that had origin experience had some good moments. Tommy, Nana, it's crazy to think that he's literally only just turned 19. Holmes, Tamalolo, Robson, etc. Um, but yeah, they get the Dragons this week. A game that, again, they could pretty much put a real debt in their hopes and keep pushing their, their case forward to finish in that top four. Um, and for the Tigers, they've got the Broncos, so it gets no easier. That certainly does not. Mm. Well, we'll move on. That's the reviews of the games from the weekend. We'll look at the round ahead and give our tips and thoughts brought to you by bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with anyone, do it with Bluebet. Visit the website or download the app today. And on all NRL games this week, back a team head-to-head. And if they lead by six or more at halftime, Bluebet will pay you out as a winner up to $100. Lead by six at halftime, you win. Terms and conditions apply. Gamble responsibly. Hopefully, 
we can find a winner for our charity Bears of Hope this week. The balance at the moment stands at $742.50. And that first game is the one, obviously, that has brought a lot of attention today. It's Manly at home up against the Roosters and an absolute swag of changes with those seven players out, uh, plus a couple of injuries. They've got two debutants on the wings and Alfred Smalley and Pio Secchi who have been playing in their New South Wales Cup side. You've got Delawee starting, Bullimore starting, Dribojevic and Croker, a couple other guys are back. Walker pushes to the centre. Seguiara, after a long stint out, comes back on the bench. And I think this might be Morgan Boyle's first game in NRL um, this year. But for the Roosters, great few weeks. Manu comes back in. Collins comes back in. They're probably, at the moment, given their injuries, at their absolute strongest um, is in, in terms of where they can be at this point in time. So given what's happened uh, on top of the players out, I think this is a, a, going to be a big night for the Roosters. Yeah, it will be. It'll be huge and they should be. <coughs> so I'm tipping them. Yep, much the same. And the odds of bluebet.com.au, 575 are Manly Seagulls. The Roosters, $1.14, minus 16.5 is the line on that game at Four Pines Park. Warriors stormed the early Friday game over at Mount Smart. Walsh, surprise, surprise, after one week on the bench, is back in, starting in the halves. Edward Kosey comes back onto a wing. Uh, Harris DeVita goes back into the halves. Arcee drops out altogether. Arthurs is replaced um, by Kosey, as I said, and Jackson Fry is named on the bench for his first game of the season for Melbourne. It's unchanged starting 13. Jordan Gray comes onto the bench in the place of Tom Eisenhuth, who was a late inclusion last week. There's no other names in the reserves yet uh, out of some of those injured guys, so probably not expecting much change there, but have to tip the storm. This this is a must win for them. It's not the ideal sort of road trip and place to be heading in, in their current predicament, but they have to win. Yeah, storm. And, uh, it's reflected in the odds with bluebet.com.au, $1.23. Uh, I think that's still a bit rough considering the way they've been going. But the Warriors, four twenty, and a 12-and-a-half start there for the Warriors. Eels, Panthers, still be a blockbuster regardless of those players missing. And with those injuries for Penrith, Robert Jennings at the moment is named to start in the centres for Stephen Crichton. Sean O'Sullivan gets to call up in the halves. Eisenhuth is in the eight still, but Moses Laota is in jersey 22, so I'm sure they won't be pushing it if they don't have to. And the replacement on the bench for the loss of uh, Mitch Kenny is Charlie Stain. so you'd expect Salmon probably see some more minutes in that sort of role uh, with him this week. For the Eels, Bryce Cartwright makes a return on the bench. Jacob Arthur is out of the side and Mitchell Moses, only five more points to hit 1,000 for his career. It's at Combank. Can the Eels cause an upset, Brock? No. No, sticking with the pennies. I'll stick with... Of course. <coughs> Pardon me. I'll stick with the Panthers as well. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, they thought about putting Sunia Taruva in for a debut and moving Jennings to a wing. Uh, having a bit of a reshuffle there. But then again, uh, a game like this up against Parramatta, probably not the time to debut someone. And Jennings is a veteran. Uh, but yeah, for Parramatta at this point in time, like I said, big week for them if 
You get Penrith with a little bit of blood in the water and a couple of injuries. Certainly need to play better. And bluebet.com.au agrees. They're on the Panthers, a dollar thirty-two favorite, three forty for Parramatta, minus nine and a half is the line for that one. Titans Raiders, the early Saturday game. For the Titans, Tino moves to prop for Aaron Clark to be able to start at lock. Isaac Liu goes back to the bench. Jaden Campbell is there again. Brian Kelly takes Corey's spot, uh, Corey Thompson's spot uh, in a center position, and Herbert moves to the wing. Kevin Proctor, as we know, has obviously been fired, so he is out of the reserves. And for Ricky Stewart, he stuck with the same 17. No surprises there. This is one like last week where I th- they're obviously tipping them, but I-, I think they need to make a statement. Yeah, I agree. I'm tipping them as well. And in particular in that log jam, I haven't looked at their for and against, but if it comes down to that, which it possibly will, I'm pretty sure out of those teams there, the Roosters are looking much better in that regard and Manly better. And then I think them and the Dragons are a fair way away. So if it comes down to that, which you don't want it to, but if it does, that they're certainly going to need to rack up some points. Yeah, of course. Um, and their draw certainly gives them that situation. Hundred percent. Uh, and with bluebet.com.au, they're a dollar forty favorite away. The Titans two ninety five at home minus seven and a half. The line there. The game of the round to me now, maybe Parapanoff is right up there, but this one I'm looking forward to just as much is Cronulla up against South and it's at the prison. So interesting things always happen at the prison. Dale Finucane obviously suspended for two games, so likely assuming that Cameron McInnes will start at lock and then someone will be added to the bench, whether he goes with uh, Jesse Calhoun or a Tolman for an extra forward. On the south side of things, Nichols is out injured. Saluka Fafita comes straight in to start at prop. Tom Milne is listed among the reserves. Um, and other than that, they've named the same side that they had as last week. I'm going to go with Souths to continue their winning ways, but yeah, this is obviously a, a difficult place to go play football, but I think this will be a hell of a game. Yeah, I Sharks. <coughs> Pardon me again. Sharkies. It's going to be a lot of complaints this week, mate, with your coughing. Yeah, I know. I've just been on the back of, of the vid. How, how, how dare you have a cough, mate? I know. And I don't, yeah, we've, got, don't... we've got some perennial whingers who whinge about everything. I'm sure there'll be a few this week. Yeah, I'm unfortunately not in a big studio with mute buttons and other things. This is Yeah, you know, not on full-time wages to do the podcast either. It's all good. What is, what is the time? Oh, it's 11.30 at night. Cool. Excellent. Uh, Sharkies with bluebet.com.au. Slight favourites, $1.70. Souths, two fifteen minus two and a half the line. So I'm not surprised that that one's close. He's tipping, the, he's tipping South at the prison. Yes, yeah. and that's probably the big thing. I'm showing some confidence there. You're right in the South. You're on the South way at the moment, aren't you? I've just been... I can't believe you. You're, just, you're, a, you're a prison man. I know. I'm big on the prison. I am. Probably one thing I'm looking at here. It's not this freaking day, mate. Mate, what, what centre was... Because I'm going to be there in the crowd, mate. Is that why? Mate, I think there's going to be a lot of traffic going at Cody Walker... And I think was it Tars on the left the other night where Marion Seve went straight through, mm. because they're marking up on Jesse Ramian, and at the moment he's breaking tackles for fun, mate. I know, mate. 
So that that's going to be something to look out for. If you want to have you a... Just tip, you just tip the uh, south, mate. Yeah, but now I'm just thinking, as I do with my, my betting, I'm not saying that the south can't win, but interesting to see how this one goes, but looking forward to it. Jesse Ramey might get a triple, mate. Mate, well, he certainly had a field day the other week against Paul Hermiso and the Cowboys, mate. Mm, he did, mate. But moving on, Broncos, Tigers... Uh, like I said, it doesn't get any easier for the Tigers, and it's at Suncorp Saturday night. You can expect a packed house. They've got Cobo arrested again after that concussion, and why not? They've got the situation with the squad where they can do that. Yeah, definitely. Turpin goes to the reserves. Billy Walters returns at hooker. Deloise Hoyta moves to the wing for Pereira, who's crook and out, and they've got a debutante. I think he's 18. Uh, Dane Mariner, who is a centre who's been highly marked and talked about coming through their system. Pushes Branko lead to the reserve, so they're giving him an opportunity this week. Uh, and Tamara Martin is close to a return from his rib injury. Interested to see whether they go with him after the way New's been playing, but he's listed as the 18th man. Uh, Tigers, Safarth is in the back row uh, for Luke Garner. And what else we got here? No, that was it. I thought they had another change there, but Brett Kamali missed out last week after... The old COVID, but he'll be back in charge this week. The old COVID. COVID. Well, I think last week, again, a bit of a storm of things like weeks of speculation, lots of talk, pressure on the club, players, coach, coaching situation, criticism, road trip, 300th game for James Tarmow. I think they're going to be a bit flat this week. It's sad to yeah, say. I agree. They're going to get... Beaten. This could be a cricket school. Um, and bluebet.com.au agrees. A dollar eleven favorite are the, the Broncos. I could be wrong. Oh, eleven, man. I said the same thing last week, and they turned up and tried to fucking ruin a lot of people's multis and bets, mate. But the Tigers six seventy minus seventeen and a half. The line there, and Sunday wraps up with the last two games. The first of which, Newcastle at home against the Bulldogs, who are in red hot form. Ponga. Out, Tex Hoy is at fullback. Lachlan Fitzgibbon is also out. Um, Brody Jones moves in this, into the pack. Barnett goes back into the back row there. And Matt Croker joins the bench. They've got a couple other guys in the reserves. Dom Young, Kurt Mann off the back of injuries or 50-50. For the Doggies, Avarillo returns from the vid. The Curtis Rona, he reclaims the number one. Declan Casey goes out of the side into the reserves. Corey Riddell was named, but he's now been... Suspended, so they've got a bit of an issue there because Fitala Mara, the poor bugger, just re-signs on a three-year deal and they put the mockers on him. He's had injury problems. He signs his new deal and he gets hurt again. Mm. So Josh Jackson has moved to lock. Jackson to Pine, who's been outstanding in New South Wales Cup, is starting in the back row and now they're going to have to find another back row because Corey Riddell is suspended. So would be thinking, looking at reserves, they'll either play Pengai on an edge or keep him for the middle. They've got... Yeah. Stimson. He'll come into the team. Who's that? Pengar. Yeah, they've got Stimson there as an option. Um, and Curtis Moran got minutes weeks prior, so I'd assume Moran will be one of the guys they add to the bench for an extra forward. Um, given again, just former, you, you wouldn't think you'd be tipping this quickly, but you can't go past the dogs with the way they're playing and the effort they're showing compared to Newcastle at the moment. Yeah, definitely. It's too hard and, you know... Interested to see what happens, but Newcastle with bluebet.com.au are 260. The dogs a dollar fifty minus six and a half. And I might be going to this one. It's Vaughn's two hundredth. 
Yeah, where's it up? Newcastle on the Sunday. Enjoy. So, see what happens uh, with work, but if not, I've never been to McDonald Jones Stadium. It's his 200th game. He's only got a couple left to go, possibly going up there to cheer the big man on. But the last one to wrap the round up, the Dragons looking to build on last week. They're up against the Cowboys. And uh, in terms of changes, we know that Ramsey's going to miss a couple of weeks. He's got Sloan named at 14 in by retaining the one, whether he makes a late change there or not. You think he would. Karen Sloan as a bench utility just seems pointless yeah, um, as compared to Mbai. Um, and Jaden Sullivan was someone they had in the mix. He got hurt in reserve grade last week, so he's out of the side as well. Tarek Sims comes in to start. Uh, Locke, Jack Bird pushes out to the centres. Um, and a little bit of a reshuffle there. And Aaron Woods joins the bench and for the Cowboys... Same 17 that snuck in last week, but a name that would be very nice to see for Cowboys fans. Ruben Cotter is in the 22. They certainly won't push him, but if he's ready to go, they'll be bringing him back. So building nicely towards the finals. Expect them to be a lot better this week and beat the Dragons. Yep. And bluebet.com.au agrees. $1.43 favourite, 285 minus 7.5. The line there, the only one we've gone different on uh, is the South Sharks game with the prison factor. You stuck with that, and I don't, I'm, I can't knock it, mate. Mm, that's a good mate. <coughs> but thank you to bluebet.com.au. Have a look for that leading by six or more at halftime to be paid out early as a winner. Um, and again, fingers crossed for a win for our charity bet. Big thanks to bluebet.com.au. Big thanks to Penrith. Solar Centre, again, cost of living, everything that's going on. There's no better time to invest in a system. And for now, Boxhead, midnight, it's time for bed, buddy. Yeah, it is. Let's go catch some shut-eye. And for everyone out there, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.